Welcome to Between Jensen and Jones. I'm Parker Jones. And I'm Jensen Spillum. And today we are going to start off with some uh, headlines from the weekend. Uh, first and foremost, the Alliance of American Football had a couple big games this weekend. Uh, starting with, we'll start, we'll, we'll dive into two of them. Uh, first, the Memphis Express uh, beat the San Diego Fleet 26-23 to uh, with an air attack. And uh, a lot of these games have been close so far. Uh, throughout this season, not a lot of blowouts. Maybe week one, the Express had a uh, put up a goose egg. Right, and and the fact that Zach Mettenberger, by the way, LSU alum, he just led that comeback, and that was huge, especially against the San Diego team coming off of a clobbering against San Antonio. Speaking of San Antonio, and speaking of close games, the Commanders beat the Birmingham Iron who, if I'm not mistaken, were undefeated coming into the game. Yes, they were undefeated. 12-11. to 11. Talk Which, about defense and talk about a nail-biter. That, that was very close, and I am so glad that San Antonio was able to pull that one out because that, that just means that they're back in it in the West. And um, this, I, this doesn't largely affect Birmingham, I don't think. Uh, I, I think they, they're favorites to win the whole thing. I, I mean... Other than the Apollo, I mean... The Apollos had a great game yesterday in a snowy game in Salt Lake City. It's unique. That was seven, very fun to Seven watch. of the eight teams play in the South. Uh, therefore, there's only really one stadium in which you can expect wintry weather, and that's in Salt Lake City, Utah. And, it, and they got it yesterday. And the Apollos were still able to come out on top in the unlikely and weather they're just not used to. Yeah. Um, transitioning into the NBA, there have been rumors servicing that Andrew Bogut, who last season um, he signed with an Australian league team, um, he's going to make an NBA return because of his play overseas. Um, the two notable contenders that have shown interest are the Sixers and the Warriors, and there have been some others. Um, this This just means that Andrew Bogut has proven that he can be an NBA caliber center. Um, he didn't have the greatest years with um, Milwaukee. Uh, I think the best times he's had was with the Warriors. And, of course, you know, I mean, it's the Warriors at this day and age. <laughs> so, I mean, you can't really be that bad. But I think yeah. it was very smart of him to go overseas, um, show he can play some high-level competition over in Australia and to make his comeback is going to be huge. He's going to be a really solid backup center. It's my favorite. One of my favorite things is when players have the opportunity to do that. In all all sports, you see it here in the NBA uh, and the NFL every now and then a player will right. come back from the, the CFL or and now they have the opportunity with the AAF to do the same thing. And in the MLB, um, a lot of, not a lot, but uh, there are a handful of stars in the MLB right now that spent time over in Japan and they crafted and and worked hard on their skills and came back and were better than they were when they started. Right, and the NBA, that I think it expands a little more because you have the EuroLeague, which is a very uh, competitive league uh, where Luka Doncic comes from, where AK-47 came from, uh, Dirk, of course, and Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, all of those guys were really, really good players and right. still are. Um uh, and then also you got the China League where Jimmer Fredette did not show out as much as people thought he did coming out of college uh, playing for Sacramento. So he goes over to China. He's averaging like close to 50 points a game. He's like league MVP almost every year, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't really follow him that qu- closely, but I just know that he is dominating China. 
Um, and then of course you got the G League, which they, you know, used to be the D League. Um, through that whole change, and now they're getting paid a little more, and it, it's it's really good to see that there's a lot more opportunities for guys who need that second chance. Um, also, I want to touch on the Trey Young performance in four OT against the Bulls, but still losing. He dropped forty nine points, which I mean, there's nothing to Scott. He's a rookie. That's nothing to take lightly, but at the same time, four overtimes, four overtimes, and you only scored forty nine. If you're that prolific of a scorer, I I still think forty. I don't think that's a fair judgment. I think forty nine points is a lot. No matter oh, yeah. no matter what, I don't think it's something insane. I mean, it's not like scoring four. There were four overtimes, right? But which is a lot of time to score forty nine points. But I mean, it's still. I mean, how, what did he score in regulation? Do you know? I mean, it, uh, it probably he probably still scored a fair amount. My my thing is is if that's Luca, first of all, Luca wouldn't let it go into four OT. He would ice the game like he always does, um, because he is literally ice in his veins, the six nine Slovenian. But yeah, Luca, if you give him four overtimes, I guarantee you he's above fifty. And he's probably in the mid-60s because he is that much of a scorer. And yes, granted, he is the centerpiece on that team with the Mavericks, but so is Trey Young. Trey Young is their young new star. Um, Collins is a guy that he can hope, he can link up with. But other than that, I, the Trey Young versus Luka Doncic, Rookie of the Year, I think it still goes to Luka. But I can definitely see how voters might change their mind to Trey Young, especially because of his re- recent performances. Okay, uh, now let's get into what everybody else always wants to talk about, uh, LeBron James. So I I wanted to bring up LeBron mainly because what is his journey after L.A.? I, I think... Well, how, how, he's got two more seasons there, right? Right, so... Well, no, no, he signed a... It was a four-year deal. So he's got three more seasons. He's got three more seasons in L.A. Um, I don't know if L.A. is going to stay in L.A. I, he might actually make a return to the Cavaliers. I really do think so. I think he's going to pull another one of those, oh, I'm sorry I left you. Um, I love you, hometown. I'm going to go back, come back to you. If he did that, he'd have to finish there. Oh, um, yeah. There's no way he finished his career anywhere else but Cleveland. He's the chosen one. He's kid... Just another kid out of Akron. He's a you know, the chosen one out of Ohio. He's he was born to be the guy to he also, end his career in Cleveland. He's but I mean he's proven a couple times now that he's not he's really not loyal to Cleveland. And oh, he's no, not he's, loyal to the fan base and he's right. not loyal to the players. That, he goes where he, he plays. Yep, yep. And, and except, I mean he's not doing the best job of winning in Los Angeles. Right. I mean, he was out for a little bit, but at the same time, I the the L.A. Lakers are perfectly reflecting what L.A. is all about, and that is reality TV and drama. Because, you know, with LeBron's show on HBO, I think it's like, what, The Barbershop? Um, and he's basically openly talking about whatever he wants. And then on top of that, you have... You know, before the trade deadline, a lot of those young core guys, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo, uh, Kuzma, they, they had no idea whether they're going to be traded by their new GM and LeBron James. LeBron James controls that team, and he's not doing a very good job. Um, I say LeBron leaves and goes back to Cleveland, tries maybe tries to win another title there, 
he, I mean, it depends on the landscape of the rest of the NBA because a lot can change over the next three years. And I think this topic will come up again in the next three years. Right. <laughs> We've got some time before we have to worry about that. On to the NFL Combine, if you haven't been keeping up with it, uh, DK Metcalf has proven that he's actually a superhuman, yes. the Ole Miss wide receiver. He Absolutely is chiseled. He is... He is just a freaking beast. He's like 6'4", 225 pounds of pure man. He ran a 4-3-3-40. And he is shocking every... I mean, this guy is going to be a very high first-round pick. I'm, I'm talking top five. Well, it's too bad the Cowboys gave away their first-round pick this season because I would yeah. love to see Dak Prescott linking up with DK Metcalf. Right, and the Saints uh, are a little too too low to get him. So. Oh, okay. I forgot you... Somehow became a Saints fan in the past. Became season. a Saints. Okay, uh, whatever. All right, let's move on to the <laughs> NHL. Um, we got. So I'm gonna go over the division leaders and also a little. Um, I'm gonna brush up a little bit on the Stanley Cup favorites. Um, so in the Atlantic Division, um, the Lightning and the Bruins are leading those, uh, leading that division right there. Um, in the Metropolitan, Caps and Islanders. Pacific, you got the Flames and Sharks, Central, Jets and Preds. Um, I'm just going to mention that Sidney Crosby is 83 points on the season. Ovechkin was 75. Um, and it, it kind of surprised me how they're not the, I guess, rivalry that everyone expected them to be. But, you know. Um, Lightning are definitely the Stanley Cup favorites. They are plowing through the season. They did not want to touch the trade deadline mainly because they they have all the pieces that they need for that team, um, especially in Nikita Kucherov, who leads the league in points at 106, and he is a very he he's just one of the pieces in that really much the lot the large depth that they have on that team, mm. and they just they're showing a winning culture. So I think the Lightning are going to be a very hard team to pass up on come playoff time. Um, moving on to UFC 235 review. So that was so crazy. It it was it was really it was a really good fight night in my opinion. Uh what were your thoughts on it? Um I would have liked to see a couple knockouts that yeah. that I didn't get to see. Right. I, it was still- again, you did come late. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't watch the prelims, and I'm not. I haven't followed the UFC for very long, but uh, it, I definitely watched. I, I mean, I paid close attention to the welterweight mm-hmm. championship, and then right. obviously the John Jones fight. Right, and those were the two biggest fights of the night, and they were very intriguing. Uh, I was very shocked by yeah. the welterweight championship, as I'm sure you were too. Yeah. Uh, before that, I want to just talk about. Um, I think my favorite. Preliminary fight that was Diego Sanchez and he knocked out Mickey Gall in the second round and that was a welterweight welterweight fight. Um, Diego Sanchez he is coming out of he he's been in he's been in uh, UFC for a while now. Um, it was really fun to see him knock knock out Mickey Gall. Really, um, main card fights we got Pedro Munoz and he actually knocked out Cody Garbrandt. In the first round, and Car- Cody Garbrandt, he is one of the, I, in my opinion, one of the best up and coming fighters. He's he's still a really young guy, um, a lot left to prove, obviously. Um, this this loss, this knockout is going to definitely set him back. But you know, come 
come his next fight, I think he's going to prove a lot of the doubters wrong. Um, and what also, this was very interesting. The Robbie Lawler and Ben Askren fight on the, on the controversial stoppage. So Lawler was going really, I mean, he was, he was controlling the fight in the early in the first round. Um, you know, he had that really nice knee to the body on Askren and Askren kind of goes down, stumbles a little bit, gets back up and then they get into the clinch by the cage. Uh, Askren's able to get a double leg takedown on him. And in that takedown, he gets him in a bulldog choke. And I guess from Herb Dean, the referee, his, his vision or his uh, point of view, he saw that Lawler was trying to, I guess, trying to, you know, move around. He was, he was trying to um, continually pass on the ground, but uh, his arm fell limp. And I guess Herb Dean thought, oh, he's, he's out. Like, he's out mm. cold from this choke. So he stops the fight, and um, Askren wins that fight. Uh, and Lawler, uh, afterwards, he's pushing the UFC to allow a um, Lawler-Askren 2 in the coming um, coming fights. So that would be very interesting to watch out for. I think if there was a Lawler-Askren 2, Lawler would definitely dominate that fight. Because um, Askren, I think he just got a little lucky with that little... Um, maneuver there that kind of cost him a little bit. So, um, the Tyron Woodley Kamaru Usman fight that Vegas was wrong on. Let me just say there were some people that 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 there was a, a lot more people that lost money than made money, but right. there were some people that made a lot of money right. last night in Las Vegas. So Usman was the underdog. I think it was like uh, Woodley was favored one hundred and sixty five. Um, in Vegas, and Usman, he's he's a, an amazing fighter. I mean, especially from what he sh- he showed last night, he controlled the fight the entire way through. Yeah, Woodley didn't even have a second of control time. Right. I mean, through four rounds, it was all Usman. U- Usman and Kamaru Usman, he made Tyron Woodley look like a bullied fifth grader out there. He was. He was punching him whenever he wanted to. He was getting in and out. He was taking him down like a freaking beast. And I was I was very surprised because Woodley is an insanely good wrestler, and no one wants to mess with him on the ground. But Usman wanted all that smoke, and Usman got that smoke because Tyron Woodley. That was one of his worst performances, I think, that he's ever had. Um, so now we got. Kamaru Usman, who's the new undisputed UFC welterweight champion of the world. And I think that really shocked everyone. And by the way, those really hard hits to the body where he was just constantly, they were in the clinch and he was just constantly I don't want beating to know, I don't even rib. want to know what the x-ray of, of Woodley's rib cage looks like today. Dude, I thought there was going to be a punctured lung because his, it looked like the side of his body was about to turn into jello. Um... Now the John Bones Jones versus Anthony Smith light heavyweight championship. I mean, it was never a doubt in my mind that John Jones was going to obliterate this kid. I will say, though, Anthony Smith stayed in the fight. Oh, he stayed in the fight wonderfully, but that's also in part because John Jones allowed it. Like, there were so many times where Smith just slumped and he, he let go and... Oh, and John, with that physique, he could have just gone in there, thrown a couple of haymakers, and ended it right there, right then and there. 
Um, but it goes through five rounds, heading to decision, and uh, John Jones is still the undisputed UFC light heavyweight champion of the world by unanimous decision. And that, I mean, whenever they were in the clinch by the cage and Jones was just beaten on his chin and his neck with those repeated shoulder shots, I mean, that was, it, it was hard to kind of watch. I mean, it was, there was nothing too exciting, but when there was, it was, it was awesome. It, it was a very fun fight night, UFC 235. I don't think it lived up fully to its hype, mainly because the two um, main fights of the night went into decision. I would love to see a knockout, technical knockout, or even just a very um, meticulous um, submission. Um, but overall, it, it was just a very fun fight night to watch. It, it was. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't spend a lot of time watching UFC, but that was that was an amazing fight. Uh, amazing. Well, really, the last two fights that I watched thoroughly. Um, moving on into the MLB, um, spring training still going on until the end of the month. Um, so there's not a lot of new headlines. Most of the major free agents have signed. But today, MLB.com released the 10 highest paid players for this upcoming season. And this list is surprising. Um, number one, uh, a name that's not always very relevant anymore, uh, Steven Strasburg. You know Steven Strasburg? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Strasburg was, was the top pitcher when he was coming to the end. I, I mean, as a, as a prospect, he was the next big thing. And he's had multiple injuries. He's had a couple full seasons. He's usually got an innings limit. Uh, he had 130 innings limit in 2018 because of recovering from soldier, shoulder injuries. Um, he could be a Cy Young caliber pitcher, but he hasn't been there yet. And and he signed this deal to where this season he'll be making $38.3 million. That is, wow. That's a lot of money. Wow. That's a lot of money. Um, and, and that's more than than the biggest names in sports, and uh, and that's the Nationals' number two starter. Their number one starter is actually the second one on the list. The Washington Nationals have the two highest salaries Jeez. in baseball this season. Max Scherzer is the best pitcher on the on the Washington Nationals, probably the arguably the best pitcher in the National League, uh, depending on the year. $37.4 million. I think he's worth about that, but I definitely think he's worth more than Steven Strasburg, and that's what's so interesting when comparing those contracts. Arizona's got Zach Greinke for $34.5 million. Again, Zach Greinke, very similar situation to Strasburg. Greinke was a Cy Young winner back in Kansas City, um, but he has, he has been just above average um, in Arizona, especially his first season in Arizona was rough. Then you get... Mike Trout, who is at least worth the $34.1 million that he's making. He is the best player in baseball. He is the best player in baseball. David Price, $31 million. Depending on the season, he's worth, the, he's worth that. Um, he was worth that in the postseason last year, for sure, for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, number six is Clayton Kershaw, $31 million as well. I think he's the best pitcher in baseball. He's, he's, uh, definitely, as, he's definitely worth more. As long as he is... Healthy last season, he had an injury, right. as did he the season before. Outside of those two seasons, I think Clayton Kershaw is worth more than thirty-one million dollars, 
and I think he's worth more, definitely worth more than Zach Greinke and Steven Strasburg at this point. No offense to them. Um, <laughs> Miguel Cabrera, who's uh, hitting the back end of his career, so it seems, um, he only played in 38 games last season. He'll be making $30 million. For a while, he was arguably the best player in baseball until Mike Trout stepped on the scene. Uh, Cabrera can still hit, and uh, I'm not worried about that, but but I do think Detroit has invested a lot of money into a player that has passed his prime. Uh, Yoannis Cespedes <laughs> didn't hear the name much last season or the season before. It's been a couple years since he played a full season of baseball with the New York Mets. Uh, $29 million. That was a massive contract coming out of Oakland where he really wasn't making anything just because of the way that Oakland does money ball. He, he got a huge contract with the Mets, and he hasn't lived up to it yet. So another kind of disappointment when you're looking at this list of the top ten. Number nine, Justin Verlander. He is definitely worth the $28 million. He was second in the Cy Young race last year. An absolute monster on the mound. And really just carries the, the Houston pitching staff. You never worry about the Houston lineup, but you don't know what Houston's going to do pitching-wise. If Verlander's on the mound, they're going to win. And the $28 million, I'd say Verlander's worth at least that. Last but not least, another $28 million uh, salary for this upcoming season is Albert Pujols. And that's that's from the contract he signed with Anaheim back in 2012 after leaving the, the St. Louis Cardinals. Pujols is, is really on the back end of his career, I'm afraid. He's an old man. He is an old man. He still can hit home runs. He can't hit for average. And, and he, he drives in runs because of where he's put in the lineup. But he's not... I mean, he's he's not even the second best player on that. I Angels. guess I guess uh, the Angels' mindset is if he still hits dingers, pay the man millions. Uh, well, that's a terrible mindset, but it, <laughs> it might be. Um, I I mean, they they got to pay him what it's guaranteed in MLB the money from the original contract. So that is why Pujols is is getting that twenty eight million. He was arguably the best player in the National League at the time he signed the contract. He has not been the best player in the American League since signing the contract. So that is the top 10 contracts. I'd say only only four or five of those those names are really getting paid what they're worth. Uh, everybody else, they got lucky. And they yeah. they don't have to perform because they're going to get the money anyways. Right. Um, shifting back to a little bit of NBA, um, we're going to give our thoughts on Seattle relocation. Um, what team is best fit to make the move back to Seattle because I know there are so many people living in Seattle and living abroad that would love to see the Supersonics back in action soon in the NBA. Um, I have a few teams that I would consider would be very high candidates. Um, I mean, I would put the Suns in there mainly because of what the owner has said, where if Phoenix does not decide to build a new stadium and uh, that, that whole debacle... Um, they they would move up north to Seattle, and it would make sense because they wouldn't have to uh, switch divisions and they would stay in the west. Um, I'd also contend that Memphis um, would be up there and that you would switch Memphis. Um, well, now the new um, uh, Seattle Supersonics um, into the Atlantic Division and move the Suns into the Central. Why wouldn't you move the Thunder? I'm just curious. I don't know. I just... I. I don't mind the Thunder. I don't really care about them. <laughs> um, and then what? What were your teams? Uh, I oh, when I was saying move the Thunder, I was saying from their division, 
Like, oh, what? Because oh. it geographically. Oh, I more. understand. What yeah. You mean. I'm not saying move the thunder back to Seattle. No, that's not Because if there's saying. anything Parker's good at, it's geography. Yeah, okay. That's a fact. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, I, I personally think Orlando would be, would make the most sense. Um, you, you, maybe you'd have to shift the conference, conferences or rebalance yeah, them or whatever. Yeah, you definitely have to do that. Yeah, I mean, Orlando playing in the West. You don't want it to be like the NHL where you have 31 teams and then you have just one team not in the... Okay, well, so. I'm not trying to change the number of teams, okay? But, but what I am trying to do is make the most sense here. And the fact is, Orlando is a terrible city to hold a basketball team or any sports team for that matter. Okay. They have no loyal fans. Right. The only they're 18th it's in a tourist the, town. The only reason they're even 18th in attendance this season is because they're in a currently in a playoff spot in the East. It is a tourist town and they don't really have much of a history. Mm-hmm. Frankly, they've never won a championship. Okay. And they've been around long enough to win a championship. Um and I just I don't understand why anybody thinks Orlando can support a team. That's why that's the only sport they have a team for is because there's nothing going on in Orlando. And, and to contrast from Memphis, because it's the only major uh, pro sports team in Memphis mm-hmm. as well. Is Other Memphis than the Express, but the Express right. is not even... Honestly, I love the AAF. I love what they stand for. But as of right now... They do I'm, not I'm even, talking. Yeah. I'm talking Big Four. Big right. Four leagues. Big Four. Big Four. Memphis only has the Grizzlies. Right. Okay. Orlando only has the Magic. The difference is people show up to Grizzlies games, and and the people in Memphis care about basketball. Yeah. And Memphis, frankly, in, in recent years at least, is a, is generally a playoff contending team. Mm-hmm. The Magic suck. Yes. And I don't under I don't think taking that team from Memphis. Would would make as much sense as taking the Magic from Orlando. I think a lot less people would care if the Magic left Orlando than the Grizzlies leaving Memphis. I understand what you're saying about Phoenix. Phoenix is a massive market, though. Right? Yeah, it it's, is a massive market. It's the I'm fifth. Not, it's the fifth largest city in the country. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not even saying that it's a for sure thing. I'm just saying I'm I'm basically re- reiterating what their owner said right. about oh, if you don't you know pay for this, then we're gonna up and move. I mean, that's the closest we can get realistically to what would happen. Um, the reason I would say Memphis is the next biggest um, franchise to make the move mainly is because, yeah, they've, they've had some success in the playoffs, but the deepest they've gone is the Western Conference Finals, and they still got uh, pretty <laughs> beat up on uh, in 2012. But, yes, Memphis does have a market of very loyal Fans who the only thing to do is to the only sports to watch in Memphis is the Express, but out of the Big Four, it's only basketball and their NBA team, the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I think looking at this from a purely economical standpoint, I mean, Seattle has a larger population, and there are some very diehard fans. the The fans that saw the the SuperSonics draft. Kevin Durant, the Supersonics when they had Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, um, their '90s dominance. I I would just I my personal opinion on this is that the Grizzlies would be able to make the move because it economically makes sense because of the larger population. Plus, it it would be a bigger basketball market. Um, 
So I I'm not completely. I don't really care who moves. Is it's I mean it doesn't really affect me. I'm a Mavericks fan because the Mavericks are going to win the uh, NBA Finals for the next twenty years with Luca and Kristaps. Easily, easily, easily. Well, in regards to the population, Orlando actually has a larger metro population than Memphis. Right, but then again, it is a tourist town where right, but less people care. That's less, my yeah, point. Right, you've got a bigger city in Orlando. And a, and a smaller fan base. Mm-hmm. And another thing that, that ties into that is the Heat are definitely the most popular basketball team in Florida. Right. Oh, yeah. And and Memphis doesn't have anybody else to compete with in their region. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a team in – there's not even a team up in St. Louis or Nashville or, or any of the major cities around Memphis. I think purely off a basketball perspective and a fan base perspective – it makes the most sense for Orlando to move to Seattle. Mm-hmm. If Se- if anybody moves to Seattle, we don't even know that this is going to happen. I mean, obviously, right. it's it's highly speculated. Um, the only thing that's high higher speculation in in sports movement is the NHL expanding to Seattle. They've right. already kind of said that's going to happen. So outside of that, I mean, and again with what you said, I mean. League realignment would have to go through a pretty big overhaul if Orlando were to move to the northwest region of America. Um, geographically, yeah, right, right. You got Orlando, which is see, and, and that's the thing that my two top teams really are both in the East because I, I want to, I want to have a problem with Milwaukee moving either, but uh, Milwaukee's building something very special. They got a really strong fan base. Like, I, I, you I, can I, argue that with Milwaukee, Milwaukee would never move. No, I mean you got Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton, which I don't know how Chris Middleton is an All Star in my opinion, but that's aside the fact. I mean you got the Greek freak. Really, who does Memphis have? Jaron Jackson Jr. He's their, you know, bright future. I mean, he's a great. He's a really good player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not. This is not me bashing on the guy. But you can't base it based off their I mean off their current roster that doesn't well, No, 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 no. Well. I'm I'm just I'm just saying it's more Milwaukee's going to bring more success to their city than Memphis will in theirs. Maybe this season. I'm saying Milwaukee I think is a heavy favorite to represent the East in the NBA Finals along with the Raptors. But um, teams don't necessarily move based off their their current talent. Well, I yeah. mean the the Raiders aren't the worst team in the NFL, and they're moving to Las Vegas. Oh, they were pretty bad last season. They aren't the worst team in the NFL, and and the Chargers were not the worst team when they moved to Los Angeles. Okay. Okay. And, and the Rams were maybe they were the worst team. They sucked. Yeah. They back were, in St. Louis. They were pretty but I mean, you you see my point. It's not based on yeah the 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 Chargers when they moved they had some talent on their team and they mm-hmm. still do. It's not about who's on their current roster necessarily. It's it's about what makes the most sense. Right. So uh, we can move on. I don't know that anything. I mean, we don't really know that anything's even going to happen with that. So. Right. Um. So this is conspiracy time. I am very into conspiracies, conspiracy theories involving the government. Involving uh, a lot of things, really. Um, but considering this is a sports podcast, strictly, um, Parker said I could not talk about any outlandish conspiracies. 
No, I didn't. So, you said that. You said that yourself. If you want to get into why you think the Earth is flat, we can do I that. don't even think the Earth is flat, but it's whatever. Yeah. All right, let's get into the 2002 Western Conference Finals of the NBA playoffs. We got the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe and a very talented Kings team that, that is sporting Bibby, Weber, Vlade Divac, and the GOAT himself, Peja Stojakovic, along with um, Doug Christie. And so the reason this is considered a conspiracy is because in game six of this playoff series, there were so many missed blatant calls. It, it, was, it was hard to watch. And even at one point, after one of the, one of the actually made calls that was BS, um, Bibby hits the floor in disbelief. Um, I think this is a conspiracy mainly because the NBA does not want to see um, the Kings take on the Nets in the NBA Finals. They want their uh, golden franchise in the Lakers to represent the West. And we all know the Lakers are a very storied franchise from the early days. Um with Jerry West all the way to Magic Johnson in the 80s. And then, uh, you know, Kobe. And now you have LeBron. I mean, the Lakers, they are there to stay. They will never... I mean, even though the name, the Lakers for L.A., because they moved from Minneapolis very early on in their uh, franchise history, Mm -hmm. the Lakers doesn't make sense for that area, but it doesn't matter because they're the Lakers and they're just going to keep... Happens a lot, especially... There's a couple instances of that in the NBA that I want really quickly before you get back. I just thought of them. Uh, a the Utah Jazz moving from New Orleans, right? Obviously, Jazz made more sense in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and B. Um, no, that's the only one I got. Never mind. All right. Well, <laughs> that shows the extensive knowledge of Parker in the NBA. Let's get back into the. Conspiracy. Oh, I remembered it when the Hornets moved or to New Orleans and where the Hornets there and then oh the the whole the whole. Hornets, Pelicans, Bobcats, Hornets debacle. That was that was a, just a weird time. We don't like to talk about that time in the NBA. That was a very dark yeah. uh, time, really. Um, so the Kings were the top seeded team in the West. They were so good. I mean, Chris Webber was a solid four. Bibby, great point guard. Pedro Stojakovic was shooting the lights out before that was even a thing. And. Uh, so, this is Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals, Lakers-Kings. So, the Lakers ended the game with 40 free throw attempts to the Kings' 25. And 27 of those 40 were in the fourth quarter alone. That is, that is insane. That is, that is a large number of free throws. Um, Chris Pollock, the backup center for the Kings, he fouled out, as well as the starting center, Vlade Divac. Um, and then the power forward for the Kings, Chris Weber, a great player. He was in dangerous foul trouble with five fouls to his name. And there were three minutes remaining. Weber posts up on Robert Horry. He kind of drives to his right a little bit um, towards the towards the hoop, takes a jump hook, and is called for a charge, an offensive foul. Giving that was his fifth one. Um, so he's called for the charge. Horry clearly flopped. I mean. Helen Keller from 30 miles away could tell it was a flop. There's uh, everyone in bad reference. Keep going. Everyone in this in in the arena, everyone uh, watching at home, and even the commentators were like, "That is a textbook flop." Anyways, moving on. So after the horrid 
flop. Weber gets another chance at a mid-ranger. He's posting up. Uh, he's clearly fouled on a shot. I, I, I wouldn't say clearly. There's footage of it, and uh, it, it can be determined, oh, that was just an awful air ball. But he, he immediately looks at the ref like he got hit. So that, that gives him a little bit of um, an advantage in how we believe how it went down. Um, so after that happens, Bibby is cutting to the uh, – Bibby finds a cutting big to the basket – off of a pick and roll at the top of the key. Passes it to him. Shaquille O'Neal takes his gargantuan-sized right arm and complete, almost flips this guy in midair, and there is no flagrant call. That would be... I mean, you would get fined for that kind of move in today's NBA. Um, so that, that was a huge miss. Um, and the whistle swallowing from these revs was just... It, it was unspeakable it it was despicable whatever big words that Stephen a likes to use it it was deplorable there there was no way that this game was not rigged because it most clearly and most definitely was the fans and players the commentators everyone was talking about how this was just awful um what you know weber he clearly catches um an all ball block on um I believe it was Horry, and they call him for the foul. If anything, they they should have called the center because it was it, it could have called it a a shooting foul based on of his body positioning. But they called it on Weber while he catches the block on the tips of his fingers, doesn't even touch his arm, touches hand. He makes no contact whatsoever with the actual man shooting the ball, and yet he's called for a shooting foul. Isn't that just lovely? Um, on a quick inbound play after the Kings score an easy layup, Kobe straight. I think I think a lot of people have seen this. Kobe straight up elbows Mike Bibby in the face. There's it, like like it was a street fight. Like it, like it was UFC 235. He elbows Bibby straight in the face. Bibby goes down really quickly because that's that's a hard elbow to catch, especially in game time, and. Uh, Kobe gets the ball, and there's there's no call whatsoever on that, which I don't know how that happens. Uh, and the Lakers, they go on to win that game, win the series. Um, so you you really think that this right here was it was it rigged? Was slated, it was rigged. It was rigged for that to happen. It was definitely rigged. I believe that 110. percent You cannot you cannot tell me that this these calls were so bad, and this and this officiating crew is so bad to the point where. Everyone knew that it was. It looked like it was slated towards the Lakers. And you've got a hunch that this isn't the only time this has happened, right? I, I mean, and and it's not just the NBA. I mean, you can see corruption. Well, also, in the NBA. also, you have um, the referee. I can't remember his name right now, but he wrote a book about how he was gambling on the games that he would officiate, and he would fix them so he would win money. Yeah, it sounds like the nineteen nineteen Black Sox. Um, but you've got a hunch that that kind of thing happens every now and then. I mean, what do you think about this year's Super Bowl? Okay, this year's Super Bowl was very interesting. Um, I do think that the NFL, a.k.a. Roger Goodell, um, he definitely wanted to see a young, strapping L.A. um, Rams team 
and Jared Goff and Sean McVay, that, that tandem, that offensive explosion against an old, an aging dynasty in the Patriots with, of course, Belichick Brady, who is basically like Darth Vader and um, Palpatine. A little bit of a Star Wars refer- reference there. Um, yeah, I, I think they wanted to see the old dynasty versus the new dynasty uh, other than... I'm basing this off of the... Um, NFC Championship game, the blade, the horribly missed call on the targeting slash pass interference um, that that would have won uh, the Saints the game and that robbed the Saints and uh, the rest is history. But I do think that was, I think Goodell had a hand in that one. I know, but I'm not. I mean, I'm. Not, I also. Don't trust Roger Goodell even a little bit. So oh, no. I mean, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't. I don't think he did. I do think it's interesting that you had a West Coast, the West Coast TV market and the East Coast TV market playing each other. Mm-hmm. That seems very useful considering the majority of the teams play in the center of the country. Uh, outside of that, um, very interesting conversation on on the whole 2002 Western Conference conspiracy. Um, wrapping up on this day in sports history, uh, a couple things happened in 1875. Wow, a long time ago. The first recorded hockey game was played in Montreal, uh, the beginning of what turned into the fourth largest sport in America and the largest sport in Canada. Um, very Isn't it the largest uh, sport in Russia, too? It probably is, and maybe but, some of the Scandinavian countries. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I think soccer got Scandinavia, really. I'm not sure. Uh, then hockey's at least there, number uh, two. I, actually, Sweden, it might be number one in Sweden. Yeah. In some of those Eastern European countries like mm-hmm. Latvia, those right, countries play right, hockey. Right. Slovenia is a big hockey. Yeah. Uh, 1998, so over 100 years after the first hockey game was played, Larry Doby became the first black player in the American League to be elected in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Big milestone. You already had a couple players from the National League. That's where the first African-American players into the league. Jackie Robinson, right. Roy Campanella. Uh, so those players... Had already been inducted out of the National League, but the first American League player inducted in 1998. 2002, this one's close to home, the Dallas Stars set an NHL record by winning their 48th straight game when leading after two periods. The streak started on November 11th, 2000. It lasted until March the 3rd, 2002, or that's when the record was set, actually. March the 3rd, 2002. I do miss watching Mike Badano. That <laughs> man was a that was That was a good team. Uh, for sure, at the turn of the century. Uh, in 2006, in Tokyo, Japan, the opener of the first World Baseball Classic took place. The next World Baseball Classic would have been played in 2009. Japan was the champion in both of those. Uh, since 2009, they do it every four years. 2013, the Dominicans won. Uh, and in 2017, the most recent, the Americans were finally able to pull it out um, over Puerto Rico. Japan has finished in the top three in all four classics. Do you think baseball has a good chance of becoming the biggest sport in the world? In the world, absolutely. I don't think. No. I don't think. I don't think it'll topple soccer. I'm Nothing. saying. Do you think it'll nothing's going to topple soccer? I think it could be second, and here's why. A, it's the third largest sport in America. Mm-hmm. Third largest sport in Canada, more than likely. Number one sport in Japan. It's the number one sport in Japan. Number one it's, sport in Puerto Rico. It's number one sport in all in basically all of the Caribbean and Central American countries. Right. It's the number one sport in Venezuela and Colombia. Mm-hmm. It's very popular and maybe arguably the number one sport in Korea. 
Mm. It's very popular in Taiwan, in um, and in some. It's growing a lot in Europe. Actually, mm. you've got a lot of teams, a lot of players playing for teams like Italy, um, and the Netherlands have a very good team. Some of them come from Caribbean islands that they uh, they have domain over, and then. Even Israel is growing in popularity with baseball, but having having countries on every continent mm-hmm. playing the, playing the sport is extremely beneficial. South Africa has a team that that competes in the World Baseball Classic, and Australia also competes in the World Baseball Classic. So every continent that inhabits people, yeah. so everything except Antarctica, <laughs> has. A, has a team playing in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. And um, I don't know that any other sport other than soccer, any other team sport other than soccer can say that. Uh, I would... I mean, well, basketball, basketball Basketball does it pretty well. It's, it's growing a lot. And especially with these other leagues, you know, you got Australia, EuroLeague, China. Um, I do see basketball... I, I think we will see a big three in that. It'll be one, soccer. Two, I can, I can really interchange baseball... In basketball, yes, it, it just, it's interesting just because in it America, just on where it goes in America now, basketball is more popular than baseball. Right. But but in I mean, it does depend on the country you're talking. Like Japan, also I depends mean, on like society and culture yeah. and and what is favorite. I mean, like football, you're never gonna get rid of football in America. No, I absolutely mean, not. It is America. It is American football. We love our football. We love our stakes. We are. Bleeding red, white, and blue. These colors don't run. We're we're ready to watch some football. That's why the AAF is a thing. Um, we want it all year round. And the, right. but I mean the same thing is applicable in in other countries. You're not going to take rugby from New Zealand. No, yeah, you know? and, and you're not going to take soccer away from Argentina. Right. And so every country has its thing. But what are we talking about on a global scale? I mean, American football is not going to be the most popular mm-hmm. sport ever right. globally. But and I think soccer will maintain that as long as I in the long foreseen future. But you're right, baseball and basketball in terms of team sports, baseball and basketball are both ex- becoming extremely global, and they're coming from America, which is very interesting. What do you think's fourth? Fourth, in terms of I team sports, s- it's hockey. Okay. In terms of sports in general, I mean, I would golf go, is very. Popular. I exactly was about to say. I was I was thinking it was golf because. Uh, a lot of people who are winning a lot of major tours in the PGA, they all hail from very deferring backgrounds. Um, I guess the most notable was Sergio Garcia. Um, you know, he's a foreign player from, I believe, Spain. Um, I think he won. I think he's the most recent winner of the uh, Green Jacket, the Masters. But I w- yeah, I'd put uh, overall sports. Golf is in the top four. For sure, for sure. But if we're going team sports, Hockey. it goes soccer, um, baseball, basketball, basketball, baseball for number three or number two and number three. Number four is going to be hockey. It is interesting though seeing a lot of countries that have rugby teams in the Olympics now. Mm. Um, I mean, it's not very popular here, but the U.S. does play in it, right. and they've got they've got teams from all over the all over the world playing rugby. And by the way, the NFL they are scouting out some of those rugby guys because if they're if they're bulldozing over guys with no pads on, they're like, sheesh, what What do you think they can do at the fullback position? It's interesting because similar to that, you, you see a couple players that grew up playing cricket now playing in baseball. Right. Too. That's how a lot of the Australian players, they're Isn't playing in baseball. is cricket the biggest sport in India? Uh, I don't know if it's number one, but it's definitely up there. It's very popular in South Asia and in, in uh, 
um, Australia area as well. So I would say it's probably up there. Um, and and in Pakistan they play cricket. Yeah, cricket. Okay, yeah, cricket, cricket is, is the, the most po- popular sport. In I India. know my facts. I know. My I wasn't cricket. arguing. With I am you. a cricket aficionado. Okay, explain the game. It's like baseball, but not. <laughs> All right. And on that note, that we're gonna wrap this up. Yeah. So this is gonna conclude um, between Jensen and Jones. Thanks for joining us.